You know, last week as we began this series called All of the Family, I tell you that I had two Sundays, I mean one Sunday that I really didn't, you know, I didn't have it spoken for, so I asked for suggestions. I got two suggestions last week, and for those of you that gave me those suggestions, thank you, thank you for that. But I had two suggestions, and one of them was, what does it look like to honor your parents? You know, the Bible says honor your father and your mother. What does that look like? How do we do that? And the other one was, hey, about disciplining my children, you know, how do I do that? What's that about? You know, it's really neat. When I looked at both of those things, this passage of Scripture came to, get, came to my mind right away that deals with both of those things. And so today, I'm going to talk about honoring your parents and discipline. And believe it or not, they're found in the same Scripture. It's, uh, it's Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. So if you have your Bible, you want to turn there. It's not a long Scripture, not a lot of detail. So we're going to be trying to we're going to be trying to expose what Jesus or what the Apostle Paul is telling us through the inspiration of the Spirit. We're going to be trying to say, what does this look like? What does this mean? But in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4, Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, isn't that neat? The two suggestions all found in the same text. So that's pretty cool, I thought anyway. So we're going to divide the text into two parts. We're going to talk about a kid's responsibility to his parents. And then the second part is going to be a parent's responsibility to their kids. So that's how we're going to divide the text. And that's what we're going to look at. So let's start with a kid's responsibility to his parents. And I've already said it. It's very clear in the text. Our responsibility to our parents is to honor our mom's and our dads. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think it's the fourth one. Probably I'm wrong. But anyway, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And, and it's one of the commandments that, that God gave to the nation of Israel when he formed them into a nation. He gave them some instructions, gave them ten really big commandments. And, and this was one of them. So the family institution is paramount and honoring parents is vital. All right. This is this is way up at the top, guys. The family is the building block of culture and society. And so God says we really need to focus on this. And the way to do that is to honor your parents. And actually, he gave this promise that if you'll do that, you'll have long life. Now, now that promise of long life is sort of like the Proverbs. It's, it's, I think, a principle, but not an absolute, all right? It's a principle, not an absolute. Honoring your folks extends your life. And, uh, you know, it could be that God grants you long life for honoring your parents, and it could be that your, your, ki- your parents just don't kill you when you're little, all right? And that's why you get long life. I mean, what parent hasn't said, I'm going to kill that kid, right? I mean, uh, I think every parent has probably said that. But listen to this. This is Deuteronomy 21, 18. Just listen. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father and mother, and when they, cha- chaste, when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him, bring him out to the elders at the city gate of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. And so you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear it and fear. And I thought to myself, man, it's a good thing I didn't live like back then because I might not have made it to the ripe old age that I am. And, but some of you would have been in more danger than me. Proverbs 30 verse 11 says, there is a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. So maybe the the long life promise, seriously, this is serious. Maybe the long life promise is you won't be killed by the elders at the gate if you live in obedience to your parents, right? Maybe that's what the Lord meant. 
But, but in, in, you know, whatever the Lord meant by the promise, God was serious about this honoring your parents. And, and so when I thought about honoring our parents and what that looks like, you, to me, we have to divide this into two categories. There is the, the child who is under the parent's authority, and then there is the child who is grown and no longer under the parent's authority. He's left his parents' home to, to form his own home or her own home, and, and so they've left. So we've got two kinds of children here. What does it look like to honor our parents from both of those positions? And so that's what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes. I'm going to tell you what it looks like to honor your parents as a child at home. Let's start, let's start there first, okay? And uh, I don't know if our young people appreciate it, but I always call our young people uh, young, unemancipated adults because I really think that our young people are adults. I think they should be treated with the same sort of adult uh, respect that we give each other, but they're, they're not emancipated. They're, they are not free from their parents' authority. They are under their parents' authority. So if you are, you know, what, how does, what does it look like to honor your parents? And it's really, really clear. The primary way you express honor to your mother and father if you are under their authority in their home is by obedience. By obedience, everybody. If you're taking notes, young people, write O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. I want to make sure I wasn't misspelling it, right? You, you, you write obedience, okay? Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obedience is the bedrock of, of honor. If you're at home under your parents, obe- you, you cannot honor your parents w- without obedience. In the context of wisdom, Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, My son, observe the commandment of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Now, the obedience doesn't mean you can't ask questions, everyone. I know parents hate it when I say this, but it's true. Obedience doesn't mean that you can't ask. Why? You know, obedience doesn't mean that you can't make an appeal to your parents, but there is no substitute for the, for the ultimacy of obedience to mom and dad when, when they tell you to do something, all right? Um, and honor, listen, honor is a heart issue. So be, listen, begrudging, bemoaning, attitude-ridden obedience does not count as honor. Do I need to say that again? Yes, parents all say yes. Honor is a, is a hard issue, so begrudging, bemoaning, attitude-ridden obedience does not count as honoring your mother, your mother, and your father. So, and this kind of brings me to my second part of, of, of what it means to honor mom and dad at home. Honoring parents while you're still at home is lived out with an attitude of respect, okay? So be, honoring your parents is obedience, but it's also respect, Proverbs 20, 20 says, He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. So uh, you're, in, you're in peril if you're not living in respect for your parents. Honor is, respect, is reflected in how you speak to your parents, young people, still at home. Child still at home. You know, honor is reflected in how you speak to your parent, parents. Do you say things to hurt them? Do you say things to punish them for decisions they make that, that affect your life that you don't like? Do you curse them under your breath and say things like, I hate you, or I wish you were dead, or I wish you weren't my parent? Anger and frustration. Listen, and I'm so glad. I, don't, I can't remember a time when my kids said that to myself, and I don't think they ever said it to Ann either. But, but I do know that a lot of children say that kind of thing to their parent. And, and so I can't speak to the rest of the world, but I can speak to all of you that are still at home this morning. 
That kind of, of talk to your parents shows no respect. Anger and frustration are hard emotions to control. I understand that. But honoring your parents means you control your emotions and you don't let them drive your attitude or drive your behavior. I actually should reverse that. You don't let those things drive your behavior and you don't even let those things drive your emotion. If you were here last week, I was talking to the women, to our sisters about living a life of self-control. And I said to you, and it's the same thing here, young people. I said to the ladies last week, if you're to live in self-control, it means you are not emotionally driven. You are not driven by your emotions, but you let your reason, your will, and your thinking be the guide in your life. You, you don't respond emotionally to everything. And it's the same thing here. Your parents might anger you. you. Your parents might be wrong, but you do not let that emotion control you. So let's turn the, let's turn the corner now and talk about a child as an adult uh, possibly even a parent yourself, right? What about us who are no longer in our parents' home? What does honoring our mother and father look like in that context? All right, so I'm going to give you two things. Uh, I'm going to give you two things from the Bible, and then I'm going to give you some suggestions that I'm just making. But as the Apostle Paul said, I think I have the Holy Spirit, so I think these things can be very helpful to you, though they're not on the level of the things from Scripture. My father's 82. Uh, he's 82. My mom is almost 82. You know, how do I honor them? What does honoring my mom and father look like uh, for me? What about when I was 30 and my dad and mom were 55? What did it look like to honor them? I think it's the same thing, actually. Uh, but here, here's two biblical, biblical suggestions. I mean, things from the Scripture and how you honor your, your parent as an adult yourself or as an emancipated adult. Now here's number one. You, you value their counsel. You value their counsel. In Proverbs 23, verse 22, it says, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. So the context there, he's not talking about little kids, be obedient to your parents. We all know that. That is how you, if you're at home, that's how you show honor to your parents. You obey them. All right? But for those of us that, that are old, uh, older, we don't despise our parents. We value their opinion. Now, I'm not suggesting that you always do or somehow or you're obligated to do everything that your parents suggest to you. You know, that's just not what you do, okay? But, but you can show value to your parents by listening. You can honor them by valuing their, their counsel and, and wanting to listen to their counsel. Little makes me feel, as a father, little makes me feel more valued or appreciated than when my kids seek my advice as a grown child, okay? And, and I'm going to confirm that when it happens. All right. <laughs> Value their counsel. Number two provide care for them. And this might seem like the obvious, and I hate I won't spend much time on stating the obvious, but your parents gave life to you, and then your parents provided for you, and according to the Word of God, you are under obligation, if you're going to honor them, to provide for them and, and to care for them. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Even if you had not-so-great parents, even if you had parents that were extremely broken, and, uh, and they hurt you and, and they damaged you. Because it's very, very possible for us parents to do that. And, and they hurt you. And there's still a lot of hurt there. Listen to what I'm going to say now. Honoring your broken parents means you still seek to take care of them. You still seek to provide for them. That's what it means to honor your father and mother. 
It means you care for them. You provide for them. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Part of you following Jesus means that you're willing to look past the hurt that your parents instilled on you, and you're willing to try to take care of them and provide for them regardless of that. You know, in, uh, in the book of Matthew, Jesus calls out the... He calls out the Pharisees for the hypocrisy. You know what their hypocrisy was? They told rich people, they said, I tell you what you can do. You can take your money and you can call it Corbin. And so that means that any money that you would use to take care of your parents, you don't have to use it for that. You just use it any way you want. And then when you die, you leave it in the will for us in the temple. So you don't have to spend your money on taking care of your parents. You can use your money and give it to us at the end of your life. But you can use it in the meantime. All right? Jesus calls him out. Matthew 15. Just listen. For God said, this is Jesus speaking to that group of people. He says, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. By the way, let me just tangent note right there. Part of not honoring your parents, that attitude thing, don't speak evil of your father or mother. All right? But you, you religious leadership people, you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or mother. And and by this, you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. He says, this is so fraudulent. I can't believe you would even do this. But you are filled with hypocrisy when you say that somebody who has funds that can help care for their parents, they don't have to use them to care for their parents, but they can, they can say it's for God and then not have to do that. You are such hypocrites because that is not what it means to honor your father and mother. So anyway, all of that to say, it is crystal clear, everybody, that honoring your parents means you provide for them and you care for them as best you can. All right, now here's some practical suggestions from my heart. And, uh, and again, I, the, these, I think, have root in the Scripture, but you, know, you just take them as, as Jimmy's suggestions as to how to honor your parents. Number one, develop a friendship with your parents. Seek to be friends with your parents. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. Do things with your parents. Invite them out. Friendships are developed over time with time spent together. Correct? Is that not right? You don't have a friendship with anybody that you don't spend time with. And so choose to spend time with your parents. Develop a friendship. Number two, express appreciation to your parents. Express it, everybody. Say it. Maybe, this, maybe some of this is flowing out of my primary love language, which is words of affirmation. But I think I'm right here. I think I'm right. One of the ways you honor your parents is by saying thank you and by expressing to them just appreciation for what they do for you. And notes are good, calls are good, but face-to-face is the best. And you know, and, and I know some broken-hearted parents who have given their lives for their children and, and with no sense of gratitude back. And I watch the pain that they experience. Now, even really broken parents, I'm changing, game, I'm changing just a little bit, but even broken parents who may have neglected you and hurt you in big ways, even broken parents, there is always something, there's always something that they did that was good or okay, something that you can find that you can express appreciation for, even if your parents, you know, were not so great. Everybody follow me on that? Express appreciation. Number three, give the gift of your presence. You know, thanks to technology, you can give your presence with a phone call. 
You can give your presence with, man, really good is FaceTime, all right? My mother loves FaceTime, so she calls me on FaceTime. It was just across the water, but she calls me on FaceTime. And she has an iPad, and so she's FaceTiming me, and I'm going to tell you, anybody, everybody know what FaceTime is, right? It's when you can talk and you can see their face. You know what I see? I see this part of my mother in the ceiling, like this, right? And I keep telling her, I say, Mom, look, look, see what you see in that little picture? That's what I'm seeing. Make it look at your face, you know, because I don't really want to look at the ceiling. So, uh, but, you know, my mother just really appreciates those calls and those talks. If I haven't called Mom in a while, I'll get a, I'll get a phone call. What's wrong? What's wrong? Or she'll, she'll be passive aggressive, and she'll say something like, uh, like, I guess you just don't love me anymore, or something along those lines. Maybe, maybe, not, quite, maybe not quite that blatant, right? But she, but she can be passive-aggressive. And mother, I know you're going to listen to this, because she listens to them every week, so just be aware. My brother Steve has learned to quit telling mom he's coming to visit, because when he tells her he's coming and he doesn't, you know, he, he leaves her very defeated. I'm telling you, give the gift of your presence to your, uh, to your parents. Here's another one. Involve, I think it's number four. Involve, involve your parents in decisions regarding their future and their care, especially as you get parents that are older and they're going to need help. They're going to need your help. Because remember, honoring your parents means providing for them and caring for them. Involve them in those decisions as much as possible. You know, as your parents, as, as, as we get older and we begin, to lose, we begin to lose some of the things that we've had, a sense of powerlessness comes over our life. I know both of my parents feel that. A sense of powerlessness in their lives. And, and because of that, you know, involving them in decisions, even when, even when you have to do something that, that they wouldn't like. Like when we took my father's keys from him. That was really hard, but, you know, I was trying to help him understand why we had to make that decision. So involve them in that decision. And the last thing I wrote down here, not to belabor this because these are just Jimmy's thoughts, but forgive and seek forgiveness is a great way to show honor. And again, I hate, to, I hate to keep harping on this, but it's because I am a pastor and because you have confided in me. And I know some of you had really broken childhoods. I know that. And, and so I don't want to minimize that. But the best thing that you can do to honor your parents is to forgive them for that brokenness. They cannot fix it. They cannot go back and restore it. And, and I know... I know because I've been the recipient of this when people have hurt me. It's, it's always nice when they come back and say, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong. I had a brother after, probably took him 15 years, but took me out to, to lunch one day to basically say I was sorry for 15 years earlier. So you know what? I mean, it's always nice when somebody comes. But by the way, here's a word for you. If you offended or hurt somebody in the past, and I'm not even talking about parent-child necessarily here. If you offended somebody in the past and you never came back and said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's never too late to do that, okay? But one of the things that you can do to honor your parents is to forgive them, to show them mercy, the same mercy that you were shown by our Heavenly Father. Show them mercy. Forgive them from the past. Don't, don't hold in your heart this, this, this grudge against them, you know? Because I'll tell you what, if you forgive them, you're going to free them, but you're going to free yourself as well. But the other thing I'd say is, you know, sincerely ask your parents for forgivenesses that you need, for lapses in your life, inadequacies or rebellions on your part, or making things difficult between you and your parents. If that's you, then go and seek forgiveness. So there's some help, hopefully, in honoring your parents 
uh, and, and that relationship, a kid's relationship to his parents. Now let's turn the corner and let's look at the other point of the text, which is a parent's responsibility to his kids. Notice the text turns, right? The first one is kid to parent, now it's parent to kid. All right, and, uh, and in this parental responsibility to our kids, this is not all inclusive. There are so many things that are not touched on in this text. We have a responsibility to provide for them, to love them, to care for them. But the text focuses on one thing. What is it? Disciplining and training your children, right? So we, we, that is our responsibility to our children. And granted, these, these verses don't have a lot of specifics, so I'm going to be trying to fill that in, and hopefully I'm going to do that biblically, and I'm going to be of help to all of us, right? So this is hugely important. And, and one of the things I want you to notice is, and this, this part is, is just actually paramount. You need to get this. Notice where Paul starts. He doesn't start with the discipline of children. You see that? He doesn't start with the discipline of children. The very first thing he says is, parents, don't provoke your kids to anger. Your translation may say, do not exasperate your children. And again, this text actually directs this towards dads. But I don't think I do violence to God's intent when I say this is for all parents. This is for moms and dads. This is for, for, this is for both sides. I don't think I'm doing violence to what God has called us to when he says dads do this. The reason I think he singles out dads is we're the most guilty. We're the ones that can fall into this trap most guilty, I mean most, most readily of causing our children anger. So when it comes to training, discipline, there's a very big danger of creating bitterness in our, in our kids' lives, in our kids' hearts. There's a very clear risk of causing them to pull back in anger. And so Paul starts off, before he starts talking about discipline, he says, don't do that. So I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen, and I wrote down 20 different things we parents can do to anger our children. And I thought, wow, that's way too long of a list. And so I pared it down to my 10 biggies, and I said, boy, that's still way too long of a list. And then I pared it down to my five biggies, and I thought, man, that's still too long of a list. I got too many notes. And so I tried to pare it down to three, but I was unsuccessful, so I'm going to give you all five, and I'm going to do it really, really quickly. Again, these, these are not necessarily where you can go to the Scripture, and it says, this is how you anger your children. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Word of God. I can't, it just simply says, don't anger your children. Don't embitter your children. How do we do that? It's funny because on Thursday at the co-op, I pulled two sisters aside, two moms, and I said, tell me, how do you think we most easily embitter our children? And the two things they gave me were not in my list of 20. So really, I've got a list of 22 now, right? But they were not my, because I asked them for the biggest one. They were not in my top five. But here are my, my, maybe they sort of were, but here's my top five. Here's how we as parents embitter our children. Number one, by constantly criticizing them and not encouraging them enough. When they feel like they can never please us because we are constantly criticizing them, we are going to embitter our children. Encouragement is a deposit. Criticism is a withdrawal. And, and again, I'm not talking about training. I'm talking about just, I'm talking just being negatively critical. We provoke our children to anger when we make far more withdrawals than we do deposits. And it's amazing how hurtful our words can be. Instead of addressing behavior, we, 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 we use our words to try to manipulate people with shame. This, this happens way too often, everybody, and, and you may be guilty of it. And if you, if you are, please listen to what I'm saying, because I want you to find yourself in this. Because I found myself in this some 20, 
some 25 years ago, and I've sought to change that, but I found myself being this. We, we try to shame people into change, and we try to shame our children into change, into change with our words. And what I mean by this, we th- say things like, you're so stupid, or you failed again, or you'll never amount to anything, or you know, you're never going to be able to do this, you're fat, you're an idiot, you're a loser. And somehow we think if we say those sort of things, we'll, we'll, we're going to manipulate people to change. Now you're sitting there saying, Jimmy, I would never say that to my kids. And you probably wouldn't. But you know what? We can say things that are maybe not quite, because we're going we're to clean them up and make them somewhat Christian-y. But we can say the same sort of things to hurt our children, which embitters them if, if we're just constantly critical. When it comes to encouragement, don't be stingy with your children. Say things like, you did your best. I appreciate that. You're a blessing. I love you. I'm here to help you. I believe in you. You can do this. Thanks for hanging in there. I know this is tough. Let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. You know, one one thing I, I told my kids, at least I think I told my kids, I remember telling my kids that, you know, there are going to be some things in this world you cannot do. There are going to be some things you cannot do. I mean, you just can't. You're not, you're not made to do them. You're not equipped to do them. You don't have the circumstance that will let you do those. But don't you ever not try them, try to do them until the door closes. In other words, if you've got something you want to do, you go for it. And if the door closes and you can't make it, that's fine. Then go for number two, right? But you always go. And I was always encouraged. I wanted to encourage my kids, in addition to verbal affirmation, you can write your children notes, you can send them texts, you can pull them in for a hug or a kiss. Inevitably, as a parent, we're going to make withdrawals because we're sinful people. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about a withdrawal as, as a training thing. I'm talking about withdrawal when we're screwing up, right? When we're not doing it the way we're supposed to do it. That's a withdrawal. When, when I do it with a harsh heart, when I do it, you know, like I'm just talking about, those are withdrawals, right? So... Um, inevitably, I'm going to do that because I'm a sinful person. But uh, do your best to, to put those deposits in. First Thessalonians, here got a verse. First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Definitely for your children. Number two, we can, we can cause our kids anger and bitterness by being harsh in punishments or overly strict. And in my book, this is huge. If you discipline harshly, if you, if you are unjustly strict, if you confuse childishness for sin... You will damage your children and you will fill them with rage. What's the difference between childishness and sin? Well, one of those is done in rebellion. And one of those is done simply because they're children. And parents, we need to understand the difference there. Now, please don't misunderstand. The children who are acting in childishness need training and they need discipline. And by discipline, I mean they may need a spank, you know, but... But we need to recognize that, recognize that childishness is different from rebellion. Our children, when they're small, they're, they're very forgetful. They're very impetuous. They're very easily distracted. Part of our job in training them is, is helping to teach them to stay on task and how to do that. And you know what? It, 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 it is so much, it's so much better if we take into consideration the fact that they're children. And so we, we don't just start off with the punishment as in corporal punishment from the start. You know, I, uh, you know, if you disagree with me, that's fine. I'm just kind of giving you, this is what Jimmy thinks are the, bigs, the big ones that cause anger in our children. It is when we, when we punish, punish them 
over the top for what they've done. We've got to learn to, to mediate punishment as it needs to be. I would rarely punish my children for childish irresponsibility on the first, on the first failure. I would, I would remind my children several times because they were so forgetful. I'd often have to remind them of their chores. I'd have to help them learn to stay on task. And, you know, it was only after I felt like, okay, you are being absolutely irresponsible here that, that maybe corporal punishment of some sort would come out. I can remember many times telling them to, to straighten their room and they wouldn't do it. Or mom would tell them and then she'd be mad at me because they didn't do it, right? So, uh, you know, we just, this, is, this is where training comes in. I remember trying to teach them to say yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And I know that's a southern thing. It's not a godly thing. That's a southern thing. You were supposed to laugh at that, all right? Because it really isn't a godly thing, but it is a southern thing. And I wanted my kids to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and that sort of thing. I wanted my sons to shake the hand of you adults with firmness. I wanted my sons to look you in the eye when they greeted you. And, and you know what? And, and it took, just took a while to have to do that over and over and over again to teach them that. But that's part of the training process. Again, defiance and rebellion need a strong hand of discipline. But childishness needs, needs training that doesn't have to start with, with, with corporal punishment. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Here's my verse. Let all that you do be done in love. Number three, by having double standards, do as I say, not as I do, expecting them to do things you don't do. Children, they can recognize a hypocrite. They really can. They can see them a mile away. They know whether you're for real. Millennials are really good at this as well. They know they can sniff out inauthenticity, the opposite of authenticity. (laughs) Thank you, whatever it is. All right, so they can smell that, children can smell that. So parents, you know, you've got to live out what you're seeking to train them to be and do, right? I mean, isn't that a no-brainer? That if you're trying to train your children in one thing and you're living a different thing, you're going to create anger, especially if you're disciplining for the thing that you're not doing. Especially if you're using corporal punishment and not just training to train your children. I can remember, I've told this story before, but I can remember a, a set of parents locking their teenage son out of this room so they can watch an R-rated movie and a movie that they should probably... We're not talking about age-appropriate stuff here. We're talking about they were watching a movie they didn't watch the kid watch because it had immorality in it, but this was an older teen, and it's like... And I remember that, that child was filled with anger because of that hypocrisy. First Peter 2.1, Therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Put it all aside, parents. Number four... Uh, by never seeking their forgiveness uh, when we sin against them and saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. D- do you, did you have a hypocritical parent who pointed out your sin but never admitted their own? If, if, you, did, if you did, then you know how, how that just angered your heart. A parent who wanted you to be a godly, a godly son or a godly daughter, and, and, and then when they failed in that, they never acknowledged it. And so, parents, here's what I want to say to you. You want to create an openness in your children and not anger? Then you own up to your failures. You don't need to be ashamed. Well, you're ashamed before the Lord, but Jesus took our shame, okay? So I don't want any undue shame on us. But we need to acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our wrong, even to our parents. I mean, even to our children. So when when you've messed up and you've sinned against your kids... You know, you're going to blow it. You're going to bust them when they, when they shouldn't have been busted. You're going to bust the wrong kid, right? Especially if you got more than one. You know, if you got one, you got it made. But if you got more than one, you're going to bust the wrong kid. You're going to say you did something. And, well, we had that a lot in our family with, with Ethan and Shep. Okay, so you, we, we were always getting the wrong one. So you, you need, you're going to blow it. What do you do? You repent. You go to your kid and you say, 
dad's a sinner. I was wrong. I, was, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. The way it's affected you. And then you say, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? Moms, you don't always need to be right, but you need to prove God right. And so when you're wrong, you need to go to your child and say, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The last one, last of my five anyway. I think you cause your children to anger if you're not willing to have fun as a family. Can I have another amen? You know, I, dads, moms, you know, if, if we're all just all about, if we're all about the chores and all about business, then I'm telling you, we're going to create in our children just a, a you know, a, not, not, a, not, a, not a spirit of joy, but, um, you know, not a spirit of joy. So I really want to encourage you parents, listen, do enjoyable things, do fun things with your family. I mean, uh, learn, learn the value of a, of a, of a popsicle. You know, I mean, we, in our family, what do you call those things? We froze freezy pops. You know, learn the value of fun things like that. Learn the value of wiffle ball or playing, or playing soccer in the front yard or, or going hunting, whatever it is for you, or biking. And dads, let me speak to you. If your kids don't have memorable memories of you doing fun things with them, those are the kind of things that, you know, that I think bring about this this bitterness in your kid's heart if it's all work and no joy, all right? No joy. So the dads, that means this. That means you're going to have to, especially if you've got girls, you're going to have to be silly. You're going to have to dress up and go to tea parties. And even if you've got boys, you're going to get wrinkled from wrestling. It's okay for you to be silly. It's okay for you to, it really is. It's okay for you to be silly with your children, and, and I want to say to you, listen, if we don't want to exasperate our children and cause them to, you know, to not have the joy of the Lord in our family, then, then be all about business and never about just relationship and joy and fun and family. And uh, so Proverbs 15, 13, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but a sorrow of heart, the spirit, but by the sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. We don't want to crush our kids' spirits. We want to fill our kids' spirits with joy. At 57... I still remember with remarkable clarity the fun things my family did together. The beach vacations, the going to the pizza parlor after Sunday night, you know, worship, playing ping pong with my father. You know, those are, those are memories that are still etched in my mind from my growing up days. All right, that brings us to the second half of, that, of this second part, right? Parents, don't exasperate your children. But then there's this next part. Bring your children, bring your kids up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now there's two things, there's two things that are mentioned in that part of the verse. The, the first one, it says we need to discipline them or train them in the Lord, right? So the word translated there, uh, training, has to do with moral character. So that word relates to training your children morally, to training them with the, the character of God. Now it includes the, it is broader than the idea of punishment, but it includes that idea of punishment, all right, as well. But, but we're here, we're seeking to teach our children, train our children to be moral, to be moral sons and daughters. And this kind of training or discipline is where we help them develop the character that we want, that'll help them flourish as adults. And here's what I'm talking about. We are to teach them diligence and perseverance 
and excellence and graciousness and kindness and honesty, humility, contentment, dependability, courage, compassion, flexibility, gratitude, initiative, just to name a few. And there's a whole lot more of them that we're to train. Man, it makes the parent job daunting, doesn't it, (laughs) when you think about it? But that's the kind of thing we do. How do we do that? Let me give you four suggestions. Number one, we do it mostly by example. You want to teach your children to have that kind of character? You model it for them. Kids learn most everything by, by what you do, not what you say. That's the biggest teacher is your life. So you model. If you want a dependable child, you be a dependable adult. If you want a kind child, you be a kind adult. If you want a diligent child, you be diligent. If you want a gracious child, you be gracious. You see, it's, it's what you model for them. Okay, so model it. Number two, by encouragement. And by encouragement, I mean is the, it's the attaboy. You can do it. It's, it's, this, it's, this, it's this thing from my heart is their dad that says you can be what God wants you to be. And so when I'm trying to train them in graciousness, I, I need to be giving them that encouragement to be gracious. All right. The third thing goes along with that. That's the instruction. So I'm modeling it, I'm encouraging it, and I'm teaching it. I'm actually instructing them, showing them how. All right. And then the final thing is punishment. Punishment. I use punishment, but it's never the first thing and it's never the main thing. You know, if you've never taken growing kids, one, one of the things I really appreciate about the Ezos when they, they taught on growing kids, they said this, when your children are small, the level of corporal punishment is high. So in other words, when they're one and two, you know, a little spoon on the leg, you know, those kind of things help your little child begin to learn, right? But as they get older, then your corporal punishment should be coming down. It should, it should, it should look like this. As they're getting older, you're using less and less corporal punishment to bring about the behaviors and the things that you want. And as they get older, right, when they're little, they're one and two, they kind of need some of that little instruction. Man, I always thought that was I just thought that was such such a good word. And so truthfully, you know, um, with my children, as they got older, I used much more instruction, as we'll talk about in just a second, but I used a lot more instruction than I did discipline in the sense of corporal punishment, and I continue to do those things like exhortation, encouragement, um, whatever. Let's move to the second one. The second one is instruction. I shouldn't have used the word instruction in just then because it's a little bit different. The word for instruction here, the word itself has to do with putting in their mind, putting in their mind. And so what we're trying to do as parents is we're trying to put the Word of God and the will of God in the minds of our children. And so parents, it's our responsibility to do that, to teach our children the mind of God by putting the mind of God in their minds, by teaching them the Word of God. And so as a parent, when it says, let's go back to the text, and it says, uh, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline, again, moral character, and it has to do with, it includes punishment, but it's bigger than that. And then the last thing is, and, and so the character, and then the things of God. So, we, so their mind and heart understands and knows God's word and God's will. I need to be putting that in their mind. Here's what I want to say to you parents. I'm almost done. Hang with me. Parents, you are responsible. Not me as a pastor. Not, not your kids' Sunday school teachers. You are responsible for your children. It's your job to put the mind and heart of God in the minds of your children. That's that's what the text means. That's what it says. Teach your children. Instruct your children in the things of God. Now, how do you do that? Let me give you three three thoughts there. In in spontaneous moments, 
of the day. How do you do it? Just in the, I used to call them the teachable moments of the day. When you've got a teachable moment with your child, that's when you, that's when you tell them, you put into their mind the heart of, of God, or you put in the mind of God in, in the minds of your children. I've used this illustration so many times, and forgive me for it, but it's just one of those that stuck out with me. And some of you new folks may have not heard it. You'll be good to be reminded. <laughs> Caleb's playing baseball at second base. The ball goes over his head, goes to the outfielder who is playing in the grass. And the ball bounces near him, and he gets up and runs for the ball. And just when he's about to pick it up, my smart, in-the-game child, quick, takes the ball from him. Okay, you follow that? So my son's playing second base, and the outfielder is about to get the ball, and Caleb gets it. Runs it up, throws it in, and keeps the guy from scoring, and everybody's cheering. And oh man, he is so happy. But you know, inside of my heart, I was like, son, that wasn't your ball to get. You know, what, how do you think that little boy, and this is what I told him afterwards. And if you all know my son, he's, he just got married last December. He's 29. Is that right? Okay, he's 29. He's always been a sensitive guy. But I pulled him aside after the game. I said, son, how do you think that little boy felt when he went to get the ball and, 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 and you took it from him? And he got it. And I told him, I said, son, this is just a game. This is just a game. People matter more than the game. I know some of y'all might disagree with me, but the game is not, people matter more than the game. And so I I was trying to teach Caleb, and and I just tell you that, and it stuck with me as one of those teachable moments that I think my son got it. I think he really did. So Deuteronomy says, as you're walking, sitting, laying down, if you see the teachable moment, take it. In plan times, family devotions is a great thing. And and I I just really, plan times, I I think family devotions, I don't know that you can make a case for a plan time, but, you know, I would just encourage you to do that. I I chose this picture to, to talk about this part right here because, I mean, they're obviously at a meal, but meal times are great times for devotions, great times to gather your family together. And, and so, and, you know, pull your children aside. And you say, I don't know how to do that, Jimmy. Yeah, you do. Just take your Bible, start reading it. Read 10 verses and then talk about them for a couple of minutes and then pray with your kids. Start there. You know what? You'll grow in that. I promise you will. And the final thing there, I say, you know, in spontaneous moments and planned times. And here's the third thing, and I'm not contradicting myself, but get help. Let others pour into the life of your children by being involved with other believers. Get your children involved with God's people. You know, so many of you that I'm looking at, you helped raise my children. You helped pour spiritually into my children's lives because you were in their life as Sunday school teachers and Awana leaders, and you were just pouring into my children the whole time they were growing up. So this is where the church family comes in. So there you have it. There you have it. That, that's, you know, a parent's responsibility to their children. To not exasperate them, not cause them to anger, but to discipline them and instruct them in the things of God. Two things, same text, honor your parents, obey your parents, provide for your parents. Parents, honor your children. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let's apply some of these things and grow in respect to our salvation. Let's pray together. Lord, would you take something I said this morning, and I know... You know, I've, I've, I've sort of just sort of I've put some of my stuff in this. And Lord, if, if I'm wrong in any of the things that I've suggested, then, then just make them to no avail. But Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to honor our parents. And parents, us who are parents, teach us how to parent our children, to discipline them, instruct them, and to not cause them undue anger. Lord, teach us how to walk that line. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. This message has been brought to you by Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit